Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. And these mini conversations I'm going to be having with some of my buddies and business buddies and property buddies, uh, just a few of them over the next couple of weeks, is going to be a kind of a transition because there's going to be a bit of a change in how the podcast is going to look at some point in the future. So what I thought I'd do is invite a few of my friends to just join me in a conversation or two as a bit of a segue to that. And um, the very first guest, actually, that I've invited, there you go, is, uh, is Damien Fogg. So, Damien, hi, how you doing? I'm all right. Friend. <laughs> Good man. Well, um, we've been having a chat before the chat, but let's let's go into it. I think, um, you know, it's, it's kind of relatively unscripted. Just wanted to talk about what you're doing, what I'm doing. Uh, hopefully, make it relevant for some people who are listening. Um, Almost nothing. I know, <laughs> but it's just having a chat, really. Um, you know, you are one of the friends of the Property Voice, of course, and not only. I feel like I've been on this before. Yeah, once uh, or twice. Once uh, or twice. Yeah. So, anyway, what's happening in your world these days? What's been going on? I. Well, I've no idea when you're releasing this, but yesterday, the 28th of October, I released another book, my second book, and got bestseller in it yesterday. So that was Yay. good. Yay, Yay for me. Um, I did that with Anna. So we've, we work together in SPI Capital, which is a residential property consulting company. So I'm doing that. I'm still doing my own bits and bobs in the EP Investor, which I can't remember if I was doing last time we spoke. I think probably yeah. was, wasn't I? Yeah. Oh, yeah, still doing that, playing around with crypto every now and then and just generally trying to keep out of trouble, but still just investing full-time, playing around with money. Cool. And um, and you've moved? I have. So I moved, what did I do? I moved to York just before lockdown and COVID and then got trapped in York where I knew absolutely nobody. So that was a bit rubbish. Um, and so I've moved back down to Cambridge now. So I'm living back down in Cambridge and probably going to buy somewhere in the next year or so, I reckon. Speaking of moving, what are you up to, Richard? <laughs> I'm moving too, Damien, funny shit. Really? Yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Sixth sense. Yeah. No, I'm moving too. Um, sometime in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> We're not moving in together, everybody. Just putting that out uh, there. Yeah, that's true. It's funny, actually, I might be heading in the direction you've just come from, maybe. Uh, it, it does depend. Um, there's a few moving targets. Um, our, our lives are not necessarily straightforward, are they? There's like... Um, It'd be boring if they were, wouldn't it? It would be. But yeah, I'm moving. Um, so what's prompted the move? Because how long have you been in Brazil now? So on and, on and off. Um, yeah, obviously. Seven, seven years. Um, should have been two or three. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been a lot longer than, uh, yeah, certainly imagined. Oh. Um, 
And what's prompted it basically is, um, so the main reason we're in Brazil is because my wife is sensible, got a job, career, and, you know, she was an HR professional basically, or is, is, is. And um, she's going to complete her current role. And we've just decided we'd like to be more focused, you know, full-time in in the UK. Um, And she's going to switch to doing um, things more digitally, you know, in, you know, delivering sort of HR consulting, mentoring and training programs. Cool. Um, Digitally, if I could say it. Hopefully you're not doing the advertising for her then. No, well, you know, I've got, just to put it in context, uh, I've got about 600 followers on Instagram, which is, and she's got about 14,000. Pull your finger out then, mate. Yeah. Well, she, so she, she's good at it and she's working at it. Yeah. So, um, she just, I, I, when it, when, when it, when she first started venturing into this world, I, I felt all, you know, I could tell you a little bit about some of this stuff, not necessarily Instagram, because obviously that's not very good, but I do have quite a large following in other areas. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can tell you all about this. And, you know, it's kind of, she was learning and stuff. And I felt like I was, you know, king for a day or whatever. But now, obviously, <laughs> it literally lasted the day, didn't it? Before she was better at it all than you. She's definitely better at it all than me. Um, cool. So that's really exciting, to be fair. And she just launched her mentoring program. She sold that four times and something like that, you know. But it's still a little bit unproven as to how sustainable it's going to be long run because she needs yeah. to do, you know, resell and she needs to have like um, more, more just like, what do you call it? Downloadable programs. programs. Pardon? continuity stuff or yeah exactly stuff that can be doesn't necessarily rely on personal delivery all the time so all that good stuff which we had a little bit of an experiment with a while ago so doing that um what are you going to do with your places in brazil keep them long term or rent them all out or no keep um we didn't actually have that many um here but basically um we'll always have a home in brazil so we will still have that in Rio. Um, so we'll come back and hopefully enjoy carnival and stuff like that, see family. Um, and then I think, well, we either, funny enough, we did sell one. Um, and then I think our daughter's going to live in another one. So I'll go work out in the end. Yeah. So it was never a massive market for me because I didn't understand, I didn't speak the language. And there's a few... And how long did you say you'd been there for? Seven seven minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's... Um, it's <laughs> you were just stereotypical not... English about the whole thing, were you? Um, no, yes and no. I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm, you can't tell because the background, but I, I work in my own home. Um, I speak to people in the UK in English nearly all day. So I don't, I'm not exactly immersed. Um, and when I did get immersed, you know, it's usually around food and drink. And so I can order anything. Yeah. You're a whiz on a menu, but. Yeah. But not so good on reading title deeds. Um, that's fair. In Portuguese. So, yeah. So it was never a major market. But anyway, that's that. So that's cool. So and then, what spurred the decision to move back to the UK? So, um, well, there's probably a number of things that have come together at the same time. I think... Um, tell me two of them. Two. Okay. Yeah. And tell me the third one first. 
Uh, House in the Mountains. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, which we could ski at or people could snowboard at, funny enough. Yeah, if they're cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, um, I remember when I tried to snowboard, I did take out a, a, a black, a five-year-old girl um, <laughs> who did look at me like, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid old man. That was the extent of my snowboarding skills. Maybe I should have had a good instructor though. I think you should have someone that is at least American Association of Snow Sports Instructors qualified. Do you know anyone like that? I am. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you are. Actually, I wanted to go back to that because um, you did say you were celebrating. And yes. um, I forgot. Did you actually say how many bottles of champagne were involved? There were five or six. No one stopped counting after three, let's be honest. That's true. I don't know if you're on your own. No, no. I was with other people. <laughs> Otherwise, I definitely wouldn't be here for this. That's true. So, so yeah, um, I'm feeling a little bit delicate today. So I'm, I'm basically segueing into what you wrote in, I think it was the introduction in, in the book that you just talked about. So first of all, what's the name of the book? Um, building a Legacy. Are you sure? Yes. Building a... Oh, shit, actually. It's here in front of me. It's called Building a Not for Resale, a Legacy, a Practical Guide to UK Property Investing. I'm not entirely sure the Not for Resale bit is in the normal title. Yeah, I don't think Not for Resale is part of the title, though. Okay, then it's just called Building a Legacy, a Practical Guide to UK Property Investing. Yeah. So the, re the reason, so there we go. I mean, Amazon bestseller or bestseller and several bottles of champagne celebrating. So well done. I believe that's your second bestseller. Is that right? It is, yeah. Okay, which is good. So you've you've uh, equaled me now. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. But maybe maybe I'll have to release another book. And uh, oh you know. God, you've always got a book about to be coming out, though, haven't you? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to update one of them? Or have you done that recently? Um, probably not going to do the update um, now. No. no. Wasn't that like the tech one or something? So the tech one is in Korean language, if that's any use to you. Not much to me, although I did like Squid Game, so... Well, maybe I would then. <laughs> so I had someone approach me, said they want to translate it into Korean. So I said, yeah, go for it. Um, I, think the, I think they've sold more copies in Korean than I've sold in English, actually. <laughs> um, so that's cool. And um, but that one, I, that was a project, that was a prop tech book, and that was... That was 2018's project. Yeah. And I thought, uh, funny enough, I was into, interviewed myself on another podcast, a podcast, whatever you say, uh, about the future of real estate. And um, they, were they were talking about that book and I had to reread it to remind myself <laughs> <laughs> what I said three years ago. Um, anyway, that was a project for a season. And then uh, the first one was called Property Investor Toolkit, um, which I could refresh, but... Can't be asked. Uh, pretty much. Enough. And then the next, the latest one's called uh, The Complete Guide to Property Finance. And so that will be the third one in the making. When's that coming out? That will be out um, either end of November or beginning of December. Ooh. Well, you best get five bottles of champagne lined up, hadn't you? I think I will. <laughs> get you on a Zoom and, you know, celebrate again for yours. Get hammered, yeah. Why not? I'm in. But going back to you then, so in the book you talked about one of your relevant qualifications being a snowboard instructor. And of course, you know, I know you're being facetious about that. 
Doesn't sound so like me this, at all, does it? Not really. You had this long list of stuff that you do, but what I was intrigued about was the angle you come about from the book, actually. Um, it's just, if you can remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, that, do you want me to say? Well, I don't know what you're going to say, so go on. Well, what, what is the, you know, angle that you're coming out with the book? Because you said, oh, oh you okay. know, there's not... You know, yeah, so the, the overarching theme of it is, yeah, you're trying to build a legacy. It's generational wealth, but doing it in a sustainable, and I guess sustainable in lots of different definitions of the word, way. So it's sustainable from an energy performance, EPC sort of ratings, but also from a who you're renting to, why you're renting, how you're managing the portfolio, strategic portfolio management. It's like the whole top to bottom of how you can invest in a way that, you know, isn't anything new. It's what people have been doing for hundreds of years, but sometimes people kind of lose sight of that. So it's how you can invest in a way that will keep your kids, grandkids, great grandkids reasonably well off or wealthy. Yeah. And uh, I think the other thing is it's not, how do I put it? Um, you, you come at it from a point of view that you should have a bit of money behind you to get going. Sort yeah. of thing, rather than a get rich quick type of property. Oh, God. Yeah. It's definitely not one of those. Um, Property's quite expensive, it turns out. So if you haven't got any money, probably don't bother buying the book. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's um, that's positioned it quite well in the market. So got a few quid behind you. And, um, and you know, you've got this sort of legacy view, long-term, in other words. Yeah. And uh, I think the sustainability thing is really interesting as well. Um, and as you say, you come at it from different perspectives. So different stakeholder interests you want to be sustainable for so yeah like so we do different things with different types of clients depending on what the i guess biggest things are but we work with quite a few of them who are interested in like key worker housing and specifically targeting whether it's uh, nhs staff or delivery drivers or whatever it might be but people that are genuinely playing a good and active role in an economy in the uk that's where we tend to focus um but from a commercial perspective as well, look at the likes of lockdown and COVID and all that good stuff. Key workers were the solid bet if they were your tenant type because they weren't impacted by redundancies, pay cuts, all that sort of stuff. So although there's a, a philanthropic leaning to, to it, there's also an economical and commercial reason for it as well. And the sort of people that we're working with are they're not desperately trying to chase every single penny they could make from a returns point of view. They've got a decent chunk of cash. And so they're now looking at, well, it's more wealth preservation. I've made a shitload of money doing something. So now I want to see it grow, obviously above inflation rates, but it doesn't have to be absolutely the hardest this money could work ever. So they're not really trying to sweat their assets that much. They're trying to actually give a decent level of accommodation to people who are key workers Stuff like that. So it just depends on the investor type and how what buttons they want ticking, really. I'm going on and off mute because I've got someone blowing a gale, blowing the leaves outside. So I don't know if it comes over to you. But Is he back again? He's back again. So hopefully uh, it's not too disturbing. Um, but anyway, so that's an interesting angle. What you um, also talk about there, interesting, you said you're working with people. Um, and of course, that's not with the with the you know the book specifically, but it's what's presumably led to writing the book. Um, yeah. Just tell us about you know who you're working with and in what way. And I think you've got you're working with Anna, aren't you? Basically, in in some some way. 
Yeah. So Anna Harper, who has she been on your podcast at some point? I think so. Yeah. She was on the Women in Property series that I did. There we go. Well, she's still a woman. She's still in property. So that bit hasn't changed. Um, so yeah, me and her are working together. And yeah, we work with high net worths and they're all sorts. There's um, like partners in law firms. There's some equity managers who run pretty big funds. There's a whole raft of people at different scale, but they tend to generally have best part of a million pound plus to be investing in property in some way, shape or form. And to be fair, not all of them want to use leverage. Some of them want to use a small amount of leverage. Other people are looking to still leverage up to the hilt a little bit. Depends on what their goals are and all that good stuff. But we effectively are, are an outsourced family office residential department for these people. So they set up their own company and we advise on, okay, this is what you should do. This is how you should set it up. This is the things you can buy. These are the options you've got. So we just, as I say, we're outsourced helpers for them and let them achieve their goals, whatever their goals might be. And as ever, because it's me, if anybody turns up with unrealistic goals, they get told off and told, don't be stupid. You're never going to make that much money, you dick. Can't imagine you saying that to anyone, Damien. Huh, I mean... I'll demo it for you if you want. <laughs> no, this is one of the reasons uh, anyone who follows Damien on any sort of social media, you, you know what you're getting. Um, you know, it's very straightforward. Um, and talking about the book, actually, I remember seeing an email that came out and it was basically take it or leave it, you know, and, um, you know, very straightforward, straight talking. So, but realistic. Um, well, I can't be asked doing all like the fake sales stuff and trying to convince people to buy things that might not be right for them. So kind of, as you say, comes across in pretty much everything I do. I've been, I can't, I don't really need to be working with people. So if I do do something, it's going to be good and it's going to be genuinely helpful for someone, but only for the right sort of person. So there's no point in me trying to sell myself to someone who's going to read it and be like, well, he did use a swear word at once or twice. I'm like, yeah, I'm absolutely going to do that. So if you don't like it, fuck off. So at least they know what they're getting with the front end. Yep. Well, it works for you as well, doesn't it? It's about, you know, people talk about being genuine and, and the word is authentic, isn't it? And, um, you are, you know, you. So Nobody else wants to be me, so I figured I should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you're you, but equally, I think you're, you're as successful as you. That's the point. So you don't, doing you're doing all right, thanks. You are, you're doing all right. And um you know, I think we're drifting to some of the ways in which you're doing all right because, you know, you talked about you still got the EP investor, for example, and you kind of, you, you just alluded to the fact you're dabbling in crypto and stuff like that. But from what I understand, uh, that's going pretty well for you as well. Yeah. I mean, it's quite hard to not be doing pretty well in crypto at the moment, but yeah, that's been going all right. Been helping some people get started with it and yeah, it kind of all came about because it's a bit of a dodgy asset class, not many people touch it. Not many people from an advisory point of view can talk about it. And so having been a financial advisor, I know the restraints that they have and all the constraints they have rather um, of what they can and can't talk about and the way in which they can talk about it. So I figured it kind of makes sense to have someone who knows what should be said and then educating people on what they need to know about it rather than, I, you know, I'm going to horse in the race. So I don't care if you invest in crypto or not but I can tell you the pros and cons of it and then you can decide for yourself. That kind of works. And yeah, as you say, crypto at the moment is doing very well for everybody. So there's a whole bunch of different ways of getting involved in it. And I'm just sticking my fingers in a whole bunch of pies and seeing what happens with all of them. Did you do uh, a course? All right. 
have I attended courses? Oh, I've made my own. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that like a really good way of me subtly plugging my course instead of fucking it up and saying, oh, no, I haven't done any courses, mate? Yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, no worries. Yeah, no, I did a course on that. Oh. People should go on. and do it. Is, is it still available? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think I'm going to put the price up when I eventually pull my finger out and add some more videos to it. So people should hurry up and go and do it. And, and where would they go? To hurry up and go. Oh, down. I don't know. The com forward slash something. It'll be around there somewhere. So find Damien, epinvestor.com. You'll probably find out about the crypto course. But it's not just crypto, is it? Because um, you, you cover a lot of different asset classes in your sort of general investing, in your knowledge sharing, and obviously your personal, you know, investing journey as well. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of done them all now. So I had to, I think it might have been for the book where I had to write like how long you've been doing stuff. It's been over 20 years since I've been investing. Doesn't sound, I mean, I know you're old as balls, but it just, <laughs> I don't feel like I've been around long enough to have been doing anything for 20 years yet. Yeah. I, um, how old do you still think you are in your head? That's a good question. Um, I, in my head, I, I, I realistically, 30 to 40 ish. Yeah. In my head. Yeah. I feel like having kids instantly ages you by a decade, though. That's in many ways, but I meant more from just like a mental perspective. Yeah, you know, obviously, my, my kids are. Uh, how long did you say you've been investing? 20, what is it, 21 years now? Yeah, my kids are older than how long you've been investing. So, it, you know, even the youngest one is 22. So, you know, that it, it does change your perspective, it changes your outlook um considerably uh, and you know kind of have to grow up a little bit so when you asked me about in my head i was thinking well which head because you know when i've got my dad head on you know of course i'm all grown up and stuff uh, um but when i haven't got my dad head on i'm like 30 something or whatever you know so i still feel like i got a lot of energy and a lot to give um i think someone the other day said to me something on the lines of because we're buying some businesses, which we can maybe have a chat about at some point. And um, there was one of the potential candidates to be the MD in mm. uh, one of the businesses we're, we're acquiring. And he's um, 55. And a, an investor who we're working with said, well, he's 55, you know. Um, I'm like, don't write off the old dog just yet, you know. <laughs> feeling, feeling like, you know. <laughs> Defensive of old folk. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 55, you know, so obviously I'm thinking... I'm, you don't look a day over 54, mate. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, so I think uh, age is a state of mind, so I'm glad you asked me how old I think I am in my head. Yeah, for sure. That was a good question. I came up with that. Yeah. So yeah. go on, what else did you want to talk about? Well, uh, we've just t- taken me down the angle of... Um, we didn't deliberately, but... You, you know, what, what we've both been up to. So you've been doing a bit of crypto meddling and financial stuff. You've written a book. You've got this uh, sort of quasi family office type of fund. Who is it, by the way? You should say who it is because I, I don't think you said it. Uh, who, SPI Capital. Sorry. SPI Capital, yeah. Um, and funny enough, at the start of this year, I set a few goals. And um, by the way, I've got a long-term goal about opening a fund, so we can maybe drift into that. But... Um, but I think the first um, 
Well, the two main goals for this year were to buy businesses. Yeah. And that was one of them. And the other one was to acquire blocks and portfolios. Cool. So I've been migrating my interests a little bit. And funny enough, that's going to be maybe what the future direction of the podcast might look like. Um, when when I take, I have to come back from a bit of a break. But, so when is this episode going out? Say again, sorry. When is this episode going out? Um, it'll be going out in early November. Okay, so it's not like a, this is the start of the thing that will be in six months' time then? No. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this is the... And there'll be something that happens in between, don't worry. So I'm taking a break, but, you know, my podcast producer, who we both know, Shiggy, um, has, has said I need to record a few words here and there, but, I, you know, and she's going to take care of the rest, so... I mean, you should definitely take that literally and just record random words and send them to her. I'm like, there you go. You said you could make a podcast out of that. Good luck. Sounds like the sort of thing you'd do. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, like what you said. No, don't say it again. What you said at the start, start of recording. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have to do another edit. Anyway, so uh, buying businesses has gone better than buying blocks <laughs> um, throughout the year. But if I just say we had a goal of we set a goal of one X at the beginning of the year yeah. without going to the numbers, but one X, um, if, and all being well, it goes according to plan, which might not, then it will, it could land at eight X what cool. we set at the beginning of the year. So that's been kind of fun. Good work. And this yeah. has predominantly been more of the business side of it rather than the block side of things. Yeah, um, we had, um, on the block side of things, we had some near misses mm. in, in terms of acquisitions. Um, you know, like a couple of vendors pulled out, for example, or we, you know, we just got out a bit late. A couple of those sort of things happened. So we didn't manage no. to get, I don't think we actually got any away. Um, but that's, that is something that we're still keen to do. Yeah. And move more away from developing into, you know, still going at scale because a block or a portfolio by definition is multiple units, but just eliminate that development risk. So yeah, development is a proper pain in the ass, isn't it? Uh, yes. For yeah. me anyway. Um, I don't think it is for everyone. P possibly. Is I'm for pretty everyone. sure it is for everybody. <laughs> just nobody likes to talk about it. Yeah. It's actually, it's, it's interesting because there's a few people who I've been speaking to, off the record who've yeah. been developers at reasonable scale who admitted you know it's been hard um they've suffered and you know may, may, maybe all that's presented isn't quite the reality i think that would be a polite way of saying it yeah so you know it hasn't always gone swimmingly well for me as yeah. a developer and so i think the actual um so there's planning risk and stuff like that, and that's fine. But um, unless you're heavily dependent on the outcome, but the um, I think the thing for me is just dealing with the construction trade, the building trade. That's been challenging. So, so with yeah. the businesses you're buying not in property sector, then. So the businesses we're buying, um, fun enough. Um, I think if we if we conclude everything that's in the in flight at the moment in, and the ones we've already done, five yeah. out of six are in the property sector. Fair enough. But they're more agency rather than building. Yeah. So... Um, what sector's the sixth one in them? Completely different. 
So it hasn't completed, so I've got to be a bit vague. All right, you can tell me when we hang up then. Yeah, when we hang up, I'll tell you. But basically, um, we bought that one because it's a really well-run business. It's profitable, and we don't actually have to manage it on a day-to-day basis. Cool. So, But yeah, I'm trying to talk to business owners. and So it isn't specifically property, but obviously we know more about property. Yeah, it's easier to carry out the due diligence on stuff you understand and know, isn't it? Yeah, one is the due diligence. And obviously, if we need to be more operationally involved, we can do that, you know, with our background. Whereas the sixth one I've just told you about is, uh, or I didn't really tell you about, no. is, um, we, you know, we're going to put people in who know more than us about operating that business. And cool. So hopefully, we get the due diligence right. Yeah. And you'll have a brand new fish and chip shop. <laughs> I'd laugh if I got that right. <laughs> Not quite, but it's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was open for but, free food. Yeah, no, there's there's no food involved. Fair enough. Um, so that's uh, yeah, it's in the sort of it's a it's a niche in the transport sector. Cool. Now you're thinking I'm buying a caravan or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking nuclear waste disposal. Okay, fair enough. I, don't, I no, think no, I watched the film and that was in it for some reasons. That was the first thing that went to mind. I, I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Uh, um, you're not supposed to. At least wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job you're not getting into that one, mate. You turn up with barge poles. Yeah. But it's interesting. So, you know, maybe, you know, the development, so sorry, well, development's blocks and portfolio side hasn't, you know, been wonderful. Uh, but the business acquisitions possibly has but what i was thinking is uh so why am i doing it i'm doing it because it's part of legacy again so going back to what you're saying so if you you say property is an asset class which can be handed down for the generations a business can also be an asset class or a form of asset which has a value and can be handed down through the generations and obviously it can be more tradable depending on how whether it's a private business or listed business Um, and, and from my point of view, well, I'm, it's all building towards my foundation. What's this foundation? You mentioned it before, but you kept me on tenterhooks to not tell me too much about it. So, cough off. To be honest, to be honest mate, it's been, um, I've been trying to keep it relatively quiet. And then, I, ironically, I was sort of forced to talk about it more openly with one of the businesses, with the staff of one of the businesses that we acquired. Yeah. Basically, my business partner said, don't you want to elaborate, Richard? You're like, no, um, not really. I don't. Yeah. So I, I kind of did. And so, and it went down quite well. So I thought I should talk about it more. Well, you should stop so, talking about talking about it and start talking about it. Thank you. So it's got the working title of Help Foundation. It won't be called that in the end. It's probably Yeah, because that's a shit name. Yeah. And there's, a, there's one called that anyway, I think. Well, if you're listening, your foundation is a shit name foundation. <laughs> And I only came up with that one because it, it, it um, had the, the word help spelt out the areas I was interested in. But Housing, employment, low energy light bulbs and property? Kind of, but not quite. So it's okay. um, housing, entrepreneurship, uh-huh. um, learning and uh, poverty. And I know okay. some of those are plays on words so I can make it fit help. But Yeah. You do like an acronym, don't you? I do. But it's going to become a little bit more complicated, it seems, because I want the kids to be involved. Yeah. Talking about the kids. 
And um, I, I mentioned, so I mentioned this to my youngest daughter and she said, what about the environment? <laughs> I'm like, well, you have got an, an extra E in there, so. So we could be helpy or help, <laughs> whatever. So, and then, and then she said, what about animals? And then my, one of my other daughters is into art and culture. So it's going to be a crazy acronym by the time we finished. Okay. But the long story short is, and that really, but to be honest with you, that actually really motivates me even more because I think the idea is it will do good things after I've departed this earth. Yeah. Which might be before you do, based on statistics. I hope so, given the age difference. <laughs> no offence. Yeah. yeah, I hope so too. Uh, but at least the kids could, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know if they want to, but, you know, I'd like, it'd be really great if they could. So one way to... In, encourage them to be more involved is to obviously support interests that they're interested in too. So yeah. anyway, that, that's it. And <clears throat> so that's why I do act like a 30 odd year old, even though I'm mid fifties, because I'm trying to build this foundation. Really? So Everything I do now is towards that foundation, really. So what is it that you're doing towards the foundation in the, in the present day, as it were? Are you acquiring assets on its behalf so we can generate an income that you can use the income to help different things or... Are you just seeking donations for stuff or what's the, what's the process? Is it going to be a charity? Is it going to be set up as a registered charity or how's it going to work? Yeah. Have you even bothered thinking about all that stuff yet or is it still just? Yeah, some of it still I haven't got that far with. I mean, it will be either a charity or not for profit. I just need to look at the legal structure. I haven't formed it yet. Oh. Um, the I do probably need to be planning it a little bit more than I am because, you know, I'm acquiring assets, but they're not going into the thing. Yeah. So when I'm, I'm buying these assets, whether it's a business or whether it's property uh, through other legal vehicles right now, um, but they, they will effectively at some point above a certain figure um, will be transferred into whatever the foundation actually is. Yeah. So at the moment I'm just acquiring a boatload of stuff and, um, you know, but it, it's not, you know, as I say, above this threshold figure, which is not like a crazy sum, is all going to go in the foundation. Yeah, cool. I don't want my I don't want my kids to be how do I put it ruined. Yeah, by by having loads of money handed down to them, so that you know, you know how it goes. But they'll be provided for, but hopefully not spoiled too much. Yeah, the rest will go into the foundation. Cool. Sounds good. But, but what about you? Because I know you've got uh, an interest, not necessarily in the same things, but I know you've got uh, an interest in areas of something beyond yourself. Yeah, so I'm still just obsessed with trees. So yeah. I pretty much every year will allocate a decent chunk of my own money um, and then any company profits and stuff like that into a bunch of different tree charities. Um, although one of my friends works for the UN in the conservation department and she was telling us all about uh, mangroves. They're one of the more efficient carbon sequestering things, which I'm not going to lie. I have to go and Google what that meant. Um, but <laughs> so look at stuff like that. I quite like the environmental side of things and helping out on that from a work perspective, SBI capital tends to do exclusively focuses on key workers and key worker housing and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of, philanthropy going on throughout uh one of the things i kind of want to do that 
still very early days and it's very much just a thought at this point that I've not really put too much effort into, is effectively setting up like an endowment fund management for smaller charities. So a bit like you just said with the foundation, it's like smaller charities, not the big ones because they can afford to do it all themselves, but smaller ones, be like, look, you're raising money every year and then going and spending on whatever it is that you, you bunch of do-gooders are doing. So if you at least invest some of that and start generating an income stream for yourself, at some point you either reach the stage where you don't have to stick your hand out and raise money anymore, but you become self-funding and that gives you a lot more options as a charity, or you just double the amount of money you've got to spend each year because you continue doing your charitable um, donation drives and all that good stuff, but you've got assets behind you. So a bit like the big institutions, the universities have endowment funds, helping smaller charities get access to that sort of stuff. But as it probably nicely segues into the whole fun side of things, just a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, but before we go to the fun bit, because I do want to, but I, I think what you just said is really interesting because... Um, I said it. I think, and <laughs> yeah, just uh, nothing changes, eh? <laughs> so um, about the endowment type of po- policy, I mean, if you think about foundations, charities, you know, things, you know, you, things linked to universities, stuff like that, they... It, it, it's, if you're constantly collecting money and paying it out, you're always paying out everything that you collect in, then you know you have to keep spinning, don't you? You need to keep peddling. But if you can convert it into assets, uh, income generating in particular, then you know, arguably you can do the job, well, say once, and then it, you know, it's the gift that keeps giving. I think it's Harvard has just released the numbers for their fund. And I think it was something like, you know, it's in the hundreds of billions that they've got under management. It might even have gone over a trillion. That might have been why the article came out. But it basically said, because they take money from this fund that they've got, the actual running costs of the university that is funded by student tuition is like 16%. So basically, they don't need the students to be there. They're making so much money from their investments. They can pretty much fund the whole thing through investment returns. Now, obviously, Harvard has been going for quite some time. But I think that, to your point about the whole legacy thing, when you're looking at an investment of that sort of scale and time frame, you do start thinking in terms of, I remember speaking to someone in Cambridge, one of their investment advisor team, they think in terms of centuries. So it's like, will this be a decent payback in the next 60, 70 years? Because we will keep this for the next four or 500 years, because some of them have been going like 900 years now. I think 1100 something was one of the earliest colleges. Can't remember, but stupid old. So they're the sort of timeframes that they think in from an investment. And just thinking like that changes your perspective on investments in a massive way, I think. Totally. Totally. And that's, you know, that's how my foundation, that's, that's the vision for my foundation. It's like, maybe not thinking four or 500 years, but maybe I should. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, well, you've just helped me probably reframe um, my thinking. But I was thinking of a couple of generations. That'd be so 500 quid, like, thank you. <laughs> Consulting. Nothing changes. <laughs> That's cheap for you. It is really, yeah. Shit, it should have gone up. Yeah. It is a charity though, so. Yeah. And just before we go to the fun thing, I mean, talking about setting up to a foundation or a charity, I mean, how much did it cost? £18.50, you know? I don't know. It costs more than £18.50. Probably. Yeah. I don't so know. It, to be fair, one of my mates did it over in America. I can put you in touch if you want. I suspect it's quite different over there though. Um, but she set it up. and. I don't, it wasn't mega money, but 
But yeah, it's not dirt cheap to do, but it's quite a, it's a small scale one that she set up initially. I don't know how much it's scaled up now, but yeah, it's doable by individuals, I think still. Yeah, I guess it depends on the legal structure, right? If it's trust or it's a foundation or it's a charity, there'll be different um, implications to that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're setting up an endowment fund or something similar, then um, I don't know if Skype keeps trying to put into my into my computer. I don't know how to stop that, by the way. But, um, Nobody likes know, feeling left out. Pardon? Nobody likes feeling left out. No, but... Um, I should sort out my tech at some point. But, um, you wrote a book on tech, yeah? Yeah, no, well, no, I said I was a property guy who was interested in technology rather than being anything to do with technology. <laughs> rather than being any good with technology. Massively caveated, that was. In fact, when I was interviewed the other day on the podcast, I was just talking about, I said, don't ask me anything to do with actual technology, will you? I can, you know, I'm talking about the uses and the benefits rather than how to do stuff. Did you ask them to like fax you the script beforehand? No. I'm oh, sorry, they telegram. May, but they may have offered that. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, went anyway, fund, right? Fund. So um, uh, it's easy to set up a fund, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Go on, then. You do it. Let me know how it goes. Uh, is it you in prison? Yeah, I'm talking to uh, I'm talking to some guys in Switzerland. So maybe if I carry on at that rate, I will see you in prison. Who knows? But um, no, they. Um, I'm talking to some people who do the compliance side no. um, of fund management. And when I saw their like kind of org chart about all of the different things that they do and the roles and stuff like that, I was like, I'm really glad I'm not doing all of that. Yeah, and it, it very much depends on. The jurisdiction you set yourself up in, lots of people go to Luxembourg to set up. Uh, I think that's one of the easier ones to do. Um, but depends on where you are, where you want your customers to be based to invest with you, what type of customer you're going for, how you're planning on marketing to those customers. That dictates the people that you need on your like staff effectively for the compliance stuff. And I know you can outsource an awful lot of it, but there were some changes, not this year, beginning of last year, um, that kind of closed off some of the loopholes of just, yeah, we'll just outsource all of the back office stuff. So compliance got a little bit more complicated in 2020, um, which is a bit of a pain. But it kind of, it seems like it's a hassle. But when I suppose when you think about it logically, like, no, this is quite good because A, I don't want just a bunch of random dicks setting up a fund, taking money off people and then running away with it. So I, I want there to be seven people that have to work there and, they've all got these qualifications and this, this is the experience they've got and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of is reassuring to an extent. But then having said that, you look at some of the actual funds that are out there and they're run by idiots, but <laughs> that's by the by. And of course, I mean, if you were looking to do one on this endowment basis, what, you know, what, what are the options that you'd be looking at? Christ knows. I haven't, to be fair, I haven't looked into it for this particular thing. I haven't looked into it that much. So it's very much a, that would be a good, because I don't intend to have any kids. That would be a good legacy thing for me, I think, if you could set up something that invested on behalf of charities. And whether it was a bit like SPI with, it's not a fund, it's an outsourced fund management thing. A funds, they tend to be referred to as alternative investment management. Um if it's something like that, where you just say, look, you are the charity, you've raised your own money, you keep it, but we're now going to help you with the investment side of things. You just become effectively an investment advisor. 
that might be the route to go because then they keep complete control over it rather than go in the collective investment side of things where you do need all the regulations to be able to say, yeah, charity just chuck money into the pot and we'll go and invest it on a global scale across all of them and give you returns, dividends, wherever it might be on the back of that. Yeah. There's options, but I've not really figured out which one's the best one or at what point I'm going to do it. Because although I've got a decent number of the qualifications for financial advisory stuff, it's not really that relevant for the investment advisory world. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different set of um, rules and compliance. Yeah. I mean, we've been quoted, you know, if we wanted to go down the fund route, we've been quoted quite a lot of money just to set up. I mean, six-figure sum. Yeah, we were getting sort of told anywhere when we were looking at property because it wasn't that regulated but the numbers were like yeah it'll be five grand a month up to it'll be 25 grand a month and you don't get to make any of your own decisions because you have to outsource effectively to an investment committee so all you can say is at the front end this is what our criteria is going to be you then have to present deals to them that meet that criteria because they're the ones that say yes or no to the deal even though you're the fund manager that's doing all the work you have to outsource the yes or no to somebody else. Yeah. So, so they charge a small fortune for all that. Yeah. Um, so a few thoughts there. I'm not sure. It sounds like you've, you're have you thinking about it and I'm obviously thinking about it. I think I'm, I'm only thinking, I wasn't necessarily thinking about it for my own foundation purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about it insofar as to just, leverage a boatload of money and then that would ultimately from my side of it fall into my foundation so they're kind of linked but not directly yeah um you know and, and you know for example on the blocks and portfolio stuff i talked about um we we've been offered blocks at 16 million for example and you know you even if you're leveraging you kind of need five to seven million to take a, a deal like that down yeah. and i didn't have a spare five to seven million so couldn't take it down. So, bad times. But if, pardon? Bad times. <laughs> bad times. So, you know, um, so that was thinking about it from that point of view. Who knows? It's It was more of a, a vision than an absolute goal. So we'll see how that evolves. Yeah, I think mine's one of those. It's not really realistically in the next five-year plan, but it's something that's just churning along in the background. So... If it's on my radar, hopefully I can pick up on things as the as and when that might be relevant for it. But it's probably late forties job for me. I think. Yeah, which is just just a few weeks away. I am not even forty yet. Still, I know. I do remember your birthday. Thank you. In fact, I remember your birth month because um, close enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the reason is apparently not apparently, but I remember you said you celebrate the whole month. Yes, I do. Well, it's March. And it's, it might be the quarter, given that it's my 40th. <laughs> yeah, and a few glasses of champagne might be had occasionally. It's on with the some, cards. With some fruit ciders and stuff. Hey, budget means they're going to be cheaper as well soon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So everyone's a winner. Exactly. But the, um, the other thing I think we were going to chat about, because this is part of my just segue on the podcast about changing direction and i know you've got some podcast chatter that you wanted to talk about yeah so i obviously had the the money shot podcast um and it was just me doing the education piece stuff for i think two seasons which yeah it was all right um but 
my best mate in Cambridge was like, oh, I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I was like, all right, just come on mine. I've got one. And so me and him just started talking very drunkenly about business stuff. And so, I mean, Roger's got an MBA from Cambridge, so he knows his stuff about business. Um, but it was just the two of us drunkenly shouting at each other. Um, and so we've done that for, I think we've got like 42 episodes of it now, of just <laughs> me and him. To be fair, what we've been doing is, what is it? Looking what's happened in the news, deconstructing the strategy behind it, and then seeing how you could apply it to a smaller business. That was kind of the model. Um, and we did that for like 40, 50 episodes, something. But now that we're through the courting period, we've decided we're going to set up our own podcast. And so we're doing that at the moment. Um, we haven't actually released any episode yet, uh, but it's going to be called The Authority Indicator okay. because we'll mostly be taking the piss. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to do that and we're going to kind of do a similar thing, like what's been going on in the news and how does the business world impact on everybody else. But we're also going to do one of those stupid, like, and this is the reason why we're doing the podcast. We have zero listeners. So at the moment, it's just, so Roger, weirdly, and probably narcissistically, listens to our own episodes back when he goes to sleep at night and then giggles away to himself at how funny we are. So that's the level of audience so far. It's, I think there's like three people we know that listen to it. So it's not exactly Joe Rogan, but the plan is to kind of document the whole journey of, yeah, no, we've got, somehow we saw the stats, we have one listener. Could you email us in or, you know, give us a ring. You can be on the podcast if you want, because it's, it's basically me and Roger talking to whoever you are. And so we're going to oh, kind right. of do that whole, let's keep it very open and talk to people about, you know, what well, fuck it, what do you want us to talk about next? If you are a business owner, have you got any issues going on? Send us your question and we'll kind of do it that way. So that could be entertaining. Cool. When's it going to be launched or is it launched? Uh, it's not launched yet. We were supposed to record the first episode on Wednesday, but we forgot because we drank too much. <laughs> so probably next Wednesday we'll record the first episode and then it'll probably get released at some point after that. But we're going to try and be a bit more consistent than I certainly have been with the money shot stuff. Good luck with that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, let me just fact check something. Didn't you say last night involved copious amounts of champagne? Yes, and that was Thursday. It was Thursday. Just checking. Right. Yeah. We don't need to go any further than that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's not judge, eh? No, no. <laughs> 42 drunken episodes. I won't ask over what time scale. <laughs> I think there's a consistent theme building here, you know? Um, it was a release anyway. during COVID. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I, um, I didn't realise you had that sort of methodology of like, you know, finding a story, deconstructing it, and then applying it. Um, to business. So that's to be fair, we are, nothing, as you say, nothing has changed. I'm still god-awful at self-marketing. So, But the actual, some of the episodes that we've done are actually quite good. I, <laughs> I generally tend to listen to them, make sure just before they get released to make sure we don't say anything too stupid. Um, there's a lot of stupid stuff that is said, so it's, a, it's not much of a filtering process. But listening back to something like, actually, that's quite a good point. That is a thing people should probably apply in their own business. So. If anyone wants to listen to that, go nuts. And, it, and that's currently on the Money Shop podcast, is it? Yeah. So it's just okay. the third season, I think. Uh, and then to get involved in the authority indicator, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, did you say someone can actually get on the podcast? Did you say that? Or? If somebody wants to, yeah. Oh, how, <laughs> how, how, would, how would they do that? I have no idea. 
Okay. That's you, like you said about self-marketing. Yeah. I haven't quite Basically, worked that out yet. <laughs> contact Damien. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Get in touch. No, I think we'll, obviously, at some point, we'll release it on all those places you release podcasts. We'll probably have a website at some point. I imagine. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but you're going to be able to track me down. It's not like I'm hiding. So if you ever listen to the podcast and think, oh, that's fun. I want to get on it. Just send me an email. Just as a bit of a, by the way, your, um, your money shot audio book is hilarious. Oh, is that the one that I just get bored of my own book and just go completely off tangent? Yeah, you're literally just, this isn't in the book, but I kind of felt like saying it anyway or something along those lines. Yeah. And of course, you've got, I know that you've got a few kind of funny anecdotes and stuff like that in the book anyway. Yeah. Um, and to hear you, <laughs> you know, actually relaying them in your own voices, it was, it was pretty funny. Um, Shiggy helped me with that audio editing as well. So she had a lot of whinging about, I did a lot of the recording in Thailand and you can just hear like bullfrogs in the background in some of them. She's like, I've done as good a job as I can editing this one, but it still sounds like you're in the middle of a jungle recording something. So good luck. That's not a bad thing. I mean, I was okay with it. Yeah. So um, are you doing an audio version of your current book or not? God, no. It's well boring. I mean, serious. Yes. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah. Oh, the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a proper grown up book rather than my first book, yeah. which was useful, but wrapped in Damien. And I think I'm going to do the, uh, I think I'm going to do the audio book version of my property finance book. Yeah. I think I am. But I'll do it um, for you if you want. Mm, <laughs> what? I might have a few Captain Pugwash jokes, eh? <laughs> what do you call Postman Pat after he's retired? Uh, go on. Pat. Oh. <laughs> One of the reviews I got was like a two-star review. Was like, I would have reviewed it higher, but that Postman Pat joke was awful. I'm like, mate, that was the highlight. Shut up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the only thing with the um, property finance book, it turned into a bit of a beast. Uh, it's yeah. 80,000 words. Who's got time to read that? Is it good? Yeah, it's brilliant. Okay, cool. Yeah, you should probably make time to read it then. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've read it about three times or four times. <laughs> I don't know. I've read it a lot. Every time it gets proofread and stuff, I have to go back and re reread it. But um, it's it's kind of presented as more like a reference kind of book, so yeah. you could dip in and out of it, and so um, you can read the whole lot end to end. But as it's in different sections and there's different you know chapters within each section yeah you, you know. pick what's relevant for you and then read up on that bit yeah so for example you know in the more alternative financing it does talk about bonds and shares for example as a method to raise money for developers or something like that right. but unless you're a developer you might you know may not actually be interested in that so you could skip that chapter but you might focus on the buy to let bridging and you know that's those sort of chapters you know especially if you're starting out who's the target audience for it uh, anyone involved in property because it is very broad, but yeah. um, probably if you need some kind of financing in your property, I suppose. <laughs> That's a good uh, start. Yeah, but that'll probably be most people. <laughs> um, it got, like I say, it got a bit um, out of control because I just kept adding to it and yeah, it turned into this beast. But, you know, and probably people read it and go, oh, you missed one. 
Um, sure, they will. But That'll be addition two. Well, there's already over fifty different individual types of property finance in the book. So, wasn't uh, this way back when? Wasn't this the first reason we got talking to each other? Yeah. So it's funny how things go full circle after what it, ten years. And I tell you what, you know, you said I think I've been on this podcast before. Yeah. Do you remember we did one on uh, alternative or creative types of financing? Do you remember? Vaguely. We're one of us or both of us are in America. I think maybe both of us are in America. Maybe did we, we did record a podcast when we were in Florida buying stuff. Yeah. Do you and have your little we, Zoom microphone thing? We used that on the table. Yeah. Well, that was. Um, I think we covered ten alternative way or creative ways to do. Do you remember you started with? Um, Adverse possession. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in the book. So well, I want 20% commission then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Actually, no, you don't. No. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, that's uh, that's the book anyway. But the the and I was going, so I might do an audio version, but I don't know. I mean, that's that's quite a long audio book, isn't it? Um, it's also a pretty boring topic. Why would you ever, as you say, it's a reference thing of like, oh shit. I've got a problem or I want to finance a place like this, I'll go read that bit that I need to do rather than I'll listen to someone read, presumably, about numbers. I don't know. I'm shit at listening to books anyway because I get distracted and then don't pay attention. But I feel like anything, I've read a few books, more like the investing side of things. As soon as they start talking numbers and graphs and stuff like that, you're like, this is completely meaningless to me now. So I don't know what the hell you've just said to me. No, you're right. It's like, oh, table, you know, or figure X says this, and here's a yeah. pie chart with 33%. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So I'm not sure right. if it lends itself to the audiobook for that sort of thing. Good. So that's that decision made. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> I think what I might then do, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do anything. But yeah, so, uh, but then the podcast, the Property Voice podcast, is going to rename it. I don't know. You're going to have to if you're going to stop talking about property so much. Well, you know, um, I'm kind of still the property voice, but yeah, maybe eventually I'll just call it the voice. Is that that being done? I feel like that's probably been done. Yeah. Okay. Maybe something else then. But yeah, so it's going to be, I think, go more to, because it's been more education um, in various forms, um, and it's going to be more reality, I can just say that, generally. So I think that's the direction I'd like to take it. But my reality these days is quite broad um general business as well as property investments funds foundations you know it's quite a lot of different elements to it so i'm gonna have a little think yeah i feel like you should ask your listeners to send in suggestions uh, there we go i think you just did that was my intention (laughs) well you know the only thing with listeners sending in suggestions is you know what are the old dickheads do you hate your listeners mate are they all yeah I don't, I don't hate my listeners. <laughs> and they're not all dickheads, no. Say um, it. No, apart from the guy who really spooked me, um, um, basically told me everything I, I've ever said over the seven years I've do, been doing the podcast, you know, over a lunch one day. I felt quite, you know, stalked. strange. Stalked, yeah, that's stalked. That was a bit weird. Um, that is a bit no, weird. <laughs> Ah, most of them absolutely brilliant. Probably know most of them. <laughs> Personally. Anyway, that's that. I think we're rambling now. So um, 
Is there anything else you wanted to chat about or we haven't spoken about? Yeah, your ability to control Skype on your computer. Yeah, very persistent. Somebody is very persistent. Uh, and I think I know why. Um, I think I should have Does the leaf blower want pay and he wants to ring you on Skype? Oh, actually, no. I thought I had another meeting to go to and I've just checked. Um, it isn't that. But that, that has been known that I've missed a meeting slot because I got engrossed in something else. Well, I am engrossing, if nothing else. So on that note, I think we should draw a line. And uh, I, that's it. There's no nothing else unless you want to add something. But no. contact Damien somehow or other if you're interested in the authority indicator or all the other stuff that you mentioned earlier. Find him. Yeah. Know. I feel like that's the first test. If you can't be asked trying to find me, then yeah, you're not that committed anyway. Yeah. And anyway, thanks for joining me and the uh, handful of people who are going to do this sort of bridge between the old podcast and the new podcast. No worries. I'm sure I'm the best of all of them. Without doubt. Well, he's definitely the best one so far. Wow. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, then, have a good one. I'll catch you soon. In a bit, mate. Oh, I need to finish the actual uh, recording. Oh. Sorry. Bye. Uh, no, don't go. Oh. Um, Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. I don't know what I'm going to say. The show notes are the website, propertyvoice.net. Contact me, podcast at propertyvoice.net. I don't know what else I'm going to say, but ciao, ciao. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to the propertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.